0: Hey, deserving listeners. Today, we're going to talk about a new movie that just came out into the theaters called The The Lighthouse. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Um, I think I had Prometheus coming out of my throat. And this movie uh, was, I thought I was going to see one thing and then I saw another. It's a very interesting movie. There's a lot to talk about. I also want to talk about the director's writer's other movie a few years ago called The Witch, which Witch? We, we never got a chance to talk about, which I think are two groundbreaking movies from a director-writer who I'm guessing we're going to see a lot more from. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Umberto Casaneda, and
1: I run a little shop where I rent out lighthouse keepers. Who are you, Colin. Uh, I'm a professional
2: spiller in the bean counting department. Whoa. So,
0: so lighthouse. I uh, Colin reached out to us and said, "Hey, uh, there's these, there's two movies out right now that I feel like are good for psychology in Seattle. First, you have the lighthouse, and what was the other movie, Colin? Uh, Parasite. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I'm I'm wishing we saw Parasite. <laughs> I know. I was like, Gosh, darn it."
1: <laughs> yeah, because that one's well. I guess that doesn't mean anything because that one's also getting
0: really great reviews. But so is the lighthouse. In fact, the lighthouse is getting like ridiculously good reviews. Yeah, and the parasite movie is by the same guy who made um, the train movie. Yeah, the train to Busan or whatever. No, the the oh. Korean one. Oh, the Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Yeah. Oh well, then maybe
1: I wouldn't have liked it. So
0: I much. know. So I but think we'll we're see. kind of screwed either way. Um, <laughs> so. I'll just say from the front, and let's all just kind of lay it out on, on the table My here. Intriguing. The Witch by Robert Eggers, who later, th- who later made uh, the Lighthouse. I really loved The Witch. I thought it was a very unique movie. I was surprised by the content. I loved the sort of attempt at making it historically accurate with folk tales, and and I don't like. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. I don't actually. like well, I don't like horror movies. Right, I'm surprised you liked it. But The Witch doesn't feel like a horror movie to me. It feels like <laughs> it's like in the direction of say, uh, Darren Aronofsky and these kinds of movies. I
1: guess so. I mean, it's it's surprising to me because it's right, right along the lines of Hereditary for me, which no. I both, both of which I love. No, Hereditary has... You say no, but it's the same kind of content. No. It even ends with the coming of witches dancing together. It's like... Her-
0: Hereditary... <laughs> naked chicks dancing. Hereditary literally has jump scares. Well... The, the witch does not.
1: Well, I mean, but that's a small difference. Like, it's a major difference. No,
0: no. Horror movies but have jump scares. People are
2: comparing Robert Edgar, or Eggers, and Ari Aster for sure. Yeah, like, come on, get out of here. Yeah.
0: Would you say The Lighthouse is a horror movie? No, and people are no. saying that,
1: and I don't understand it.
0: So, I definitely don't think so. So I gave The Witch, I think, seven out of ten. I gave the lighthouse two out of 10. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that's too too low for me. But yeah. Roberto,
1: what'd you give uh, the lighthouse? Okay. For the witch, since you mentioned the witch, I give the witch uh, probably an eight. I really love the witch. Yeah. The um, lighthouse, I give it a
2: five.
0: Okay. What about you, Colin?
2: I'm the outlier. Uh, well, I, get, I agreed with you about the witch. I gave the witch a seven. Oh, um, God. I gave the lighthouse a 10. One for every tentacle of the Kraken, okay? You are on that side of the fence. Okay, I love it. I love it. Well, you're in the
0: majority, Colin. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You are are the smart reviewer.
0: Yeah. We are are the dumbasses. You are the the Texas uh, correspondent of Psychology (laughs) in Seattle.
1: Is that
0: an insult? (laughs) (laughs) No. no, no, I love Texas. What are you talking about? Austin is a great place. Just joking. I love Austin. Um, So the... Uh, reviewers love this movie. On Rotten Tomatoes, I think it has something like 90% or something. And the 92% Rotten Tomatoes. The audience is 70%, which is interesting to to see, but still pretty high. Yeah, but it's
1: it's not like there have been cases where it was all reviewers and then the audience hated it or the reviewers all hate it and the audience loves it. This one is, it's a puzzle to me. Every now and then, a movie comes out that I feel like, my brain got switched while I was watching the movie, and I didn't watch the right thing because everyone
0: else, the way they're talking about it, I'm like, that's not the movie I saw. Right. So, other movies like this, and, and we'll get into it because Colin will tell us why it's a why everyone else likes yes. this. Other movies are like this. Mother, for example. Mother. You and I went to see Mother yeah. and absolutely loved yep. it. I gave it a seven or eight. And I you, gave it a ten. You gave it a ten. You yeah. loved Mother. A lot of reviewers loved Mother, yeah, but a lot of audience people hated Mother. But even reviewers were split. Yeah, Colin, what number did you give Mother?
2: I actually gave it a six. I, you know, and and All I it's... can go into why, um, but the I feel like the lighthouse um, went in a different direction, and I felt like the the overall mood that I walked away with was better for it. And the reason I don't, I guess I'll just briefly touch on my feelings about Mother. It was very obviously allegorical. What, And I don't mean to be like pretentious when I say that, but you, it's very hard, I would think, and I don't want to be presumptuous, to walk away from that movie and not know what it's getting at in terms yeah. of the symbolism. and. The I biblical. definitely
1: don't think it was trying to hide it
2: at all. Right, definitely not. But I think something for me that was a detriment to Mother, again, still great movie. I love art, Aronof, Darren Aronofsky, but... Um, I think that some of the situations didn't stand on their own outside of the allegory. And for some reason I couldn't separate from that while I was in the theater. My, maybe I've only seen it the one time, maybe I would feel differently if I saw it again, but that was different than when I watched the lighthouse where there were obviously references to Greek mythology and Prometheus and, you know, and the sirens, but it, it didn't um, have to be any particular thing. And you could just take it at face value and, you know, go, oh, it's just right. two men, you know, going crazy in a lighthouse.
1: Yeah, I equate it to like the difference between when you are going to make a shake and you just throw a whole bunch of random shit into the blender and press blend <laughs> versus when you lay out a nice little buffet of options for people. Or when you or when you, <laughs> you throw
0: a bunch of random stuff in a blender and then fall asleep at the same time. Um, so... Uh, we're going to spoil all these movies. Spoiler alerts. So if you want to go see these unspoiled, go for it. The Lighthouse, I don't think really can be spoiled because it's such a... odd. Oh, what about the, the un- unbelievable twist ending? Yeah. Uh, so some specifics. The Lighthouse, 2019, Robert Eggers, young director, writer, 36 years old, American guy, uh, wrote and directed this movie again along with the witch which got a lot of attention uh the plot of the lighthouse two men arrive at a remote lighthouse in new england in the late 1800s one old guy one young guy old guy played by willem dafoe young guy played by uh robert pattison aka uh twinkle skin (laughs) skin. shiny skin batman let's call him batman (laughs) what was his name in uh episode four
1: Episode four. Oh, Cedric, you mean?
0: Yeah, Cedric. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. He uh, – the two of them are isolated on this island that just has a lighthouse. There's conflict between the two of them. The old one won't let the young one into the into the light room of the lighthouse. Uh, one or both of them goes crazy. The young one kills the older one twice. Lots of Reddit theories about what happened, about what it means. Lots of talk about this. And by the way, just I'll go on
1: the record now. I definitely never, ever, ever have a problem with movies being ambiguous or not being sensical or whatever. I, I love David Lynch. Yeah. That's not one of my issues with this movie. Right.
0: So let's actually go into that because I, want, I, I feel like I need to establish my art movie cred in this moment. <laughs> so I'm going to and throw some other movies out here as well, guys. There are some movies that are confusing. There's a line. That's what I figured out with this movie. There's a line upon which, when you cross significantly into confusingville, for me, I no longer enjoy it. There has to be enough uh, non-confusion for me to like it. A, a classic movie is Mulholland Drive. Right. That movie makes no sense. No sense. There are and there's theories, and you're just like, and all what? of them
1: are wrong because he's publicly posted that it doesn't have a finite answer. Right. I
0: love Mulholland love Drive. Love it. Yeah. Uh, the style, the yeah. dialogue, the look, the tension—I feel yeah. the lighthouse has a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Where the look of it, the style, the acting, everything's there, but it's just too. There's not enough that happens within the confusion. Like in Mulholland Drive, there are different scenes. You know, they go to yeah. the theater, they go to the Denny's restaurant, they go to the Cabana. They're out on Mulholland Drive. You know, there's there's different things that are happening with. The Lighthouse, it just stays in the same place. Uh, Colin, how did you experience that confusion and end up loving the movie?
2: Well, I, I don't think, and I'll just respectfully disagree, that I, I don't think it stays in the same place. Because for me, I had a different experience watching The Witch also. I feel like when you get to the third act of The Witch, it does reach this kind of same place um, I guess you could say plateau where it, it the, the script itself seems to have run out of new things to throw at their characters. And it devolves into, you know, the families all, you know, it, it getting picked off one by one by either supernatural forces or the madness within the family. And at the end of the movie, you know, she becomes a fully formed witch and, you know, she's going to enter her new life in witchdom. Um, I felt like with the lighthouse, um, it never ran out of ideas because it was always asking the same question deeper. So the way that I interpreted what it. What question was that? that? I felt like the main the, the singular question of the movie is what is causing uh Robert Pattinson's character, I believe his name was Winslow. Um what is no, causing well, that was this his character? Fake
1: name.
2: Oh, that is, yeah, that is his fake name. I don't remember his real name. Did they? Did they give him a real name?
1: Yeah, the same name as the other dude. there's oh, Thomas okay. something? Which is like one of the theories is like he's like the younger him or something, right?
2: Oh, oh gosh. Um, but anyway, I, I feel like it's um, it's asking the question of what is making this character so sexually repressed, and it it keeps asking it um, with every new scene, and it get it throws new things at. Uh, robert pattinson 's character mm. and you're you're slowly um, it 's like you're falling down a, a kind of whirlpool with him and I felt like with each new uh, as you get reached a different level as if like you're getting deep, deeper and deeper closer mm. to the abyss um, right before at the end you wash up every time you go lower you 're hitting some kind of debris, some mm. kind of wreckage and i don 't think that the point of the film was ever to answer a bunch of questions or ever to like unlock the mystery box as it were. I I, I do understand people have like called JJ Abrams out for this uh, on some of his things. And and I know everybody has talked about lost to death, but um, sometimes they're just the, the answer is not the point. And I don't think this film really had an answer. It was about the provocation of the question. And I would agree that uh, Mulholland drive is a film like that as well. Um, It has a series of questions that it wants to ask, and we never really get the answer, but I think that's okay. So
0: when you were watching this, Colin, you're in the theater, were you riveted? Were you uh, loving it the whole time? And then afterwards, you're just like,
2: whoa, what a great movie. No, no, I didn't love it the whole time. I, I think that I had a... So the first time that I watched The Shining, and that's the only film that this this particular piece reminded me of. Um, I, I think it was like 2009 and I had just moved to Dallas and I was alone in my apartment. It was really late and I was like drifting in and out of consciousness because I was super tired. And I had these, like this experience the next day where I was talking to my friend about how great I thought the movie was. And I wasn't sure what was something that I dreamt or something that Happened in the film because of the the amazing way that Kubrick, you know, structured the editing in that piece. It just like latched onto my psyche, and that's how I felt when I watched this. I was in the theater and I was totally alone. I saw it at night after work, and regardless of like how logically good it was, I just left the theater feeling like I had been shell shocked. And no, it's not. I talked to my sister the next day. It's not really an enjoyable movie, but I enjoyed the spiritual impact that it had and that it was able to transport me to this new place. And I definitely think that it's a great, it it did what it wanted to do to 100%. Hopefully not every film will try to do this because I would go insane.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you put it really well, Colin. Uh, If you're going to like a movie like this, I think that's what you would pull away from it. And I I think you put it into, you know pretty interesting, compelling argument there. I just did not get that. I maybe got it from the first half an hour. I was probably in that zone that that you were describing. And then pretty slowly, but pretty significantly by the second half of the movie, I was desperately wanting it to be over.
1: So, yeah, I, I, when the movie started, I actually got really into it at first because and in fact you made a comment because we were watching it together you made a comment that at first threw me off a little bit because the movie starts in that aspect ratio the 1.1 whatever one it's almost a one-to-one it's almost a square right and you go like oh i wonder if it's going to be in that aspect ratio the whole movie
0: They're, they're clearly trying to appeal to the instagram
1: audience right right but when you ask that question before you answered the question, or you you gave an answer, which I'll give in a second. In my head, I go like, "Oh, geez, I hope not." But then you said, "That would be great if it did," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I agree." So it like, it like influenced me. But but actually, initially, I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, oh, "I hate when they do this. Like, I want to see the whole view." But as the movie went on, I'm like, "Okay, I see why he's doing this. This does feel like an old old movie." And I love the setting, and I actually have nothing bad, to, only great things to say about the actors. I w- love Willem Dafoe. I think Cedric Diggory did a great job. Um, <laughs> I just thought, this is really interesting. Where is this going to go? Now, uh, Colin, have you ever watched a production of Waiting for Godot? The, no, the, I have the, not. The okay, so I uh, recently did. I actually, uh, uh, unbelievably, I had never heard of it until the recent uh Muller report thing and some newscaster was saying like oh well we're waiting for the Mueller report it's like waiting for Godot and I'm like what the fuck what's waiting for Godot and it turns out this is a super famous absurdist uh, theater piece that I should have known about so I watched online I went to YouTube and I watched a, a production of it it's two people well there's a couple more characters but mostly it's two characters and it is an absurdist play meaning there really isn't a finite meaning to it a lot of random seemingly totally random things happen to them and uh, it's it's fairly long, and there's no resolution, really, or anything. And yet I thought it was brilliant, fantastic. And I see why people ha- why it's been such a big deal all these years, why people love it. But there's a big difference between that and this, which is that in that play, even though it's this absurdist thing, I really cared about the characters. Even though it's like you don't really – like their, their plot is absurd. It doesn't make sense. But somehow the dialogue and their personification made me really care about them. In this movie, unlike in The Witch and unlike in Mulholland Drive right? I and unlike in a lot of the – I started not really caring about these characters. Yeah. They were entertaining at first. Kind of. B- kind of. But like – and certainly like well-portrayed. But I started being
0: like, I don't care. Yeah. And the the movie was just too long. It was – If it was – it was, I think it's like two two hours, 10 minutes, two hours, yeah. 20 minutes. This movie, if it was ninety minutes, I I probably would have given it like a five out of ten or something, uh, because I definitely would have also would have left even after ninety minutes, going like, uh, geez, the second half of that movie really lost me, uh, and wasn't interesting to me. Um, but what really started driving my number down to two was slogging through the 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 you know, the last 40 minutes of the movie. I looked over at Umberto about five times. He was asleep half the time. <laughs> and I was like, I wish I was asleep to, so I could fast forward through this through this movie. It was just like, get on with it. I mean, and when you look back at the movie, it's like, um, why did we need all, because there's several different um iterations of their relationship, right? They yeah. start off kind of distant but professional. They start to have some animosity and then they they get drunk and they they connect and then they have more animosity and they hate each other and then they have another drunken night and they have more intimacy and then they yep. hate each other again and it was like watching a soap opera. It was like yeah. a rubber band back I was just like Okay, at some point, we're going to feel the climax occurring. And then right. at the very end, everything kind of comes at you like really quickly.
1: But but for example, like things that didn't happen that would have helped me connect better, even though it's supposed to be not, you know, like it's not all supposed to make sense. But even so, in between the indoor sort of madness or, or down down spiral spiral into madness, I would have liked to see scenes where you see them sort of like overcome something together or, or go through something together. Uh, as an example, Jaws has moments that are like this movie in a way, but, but you see the characters have to go through things together and then that makes the bond stronger. And even though they start at total odds with each other towards the end of the movie, you really care about their relationship. In this one, we only see them interact In those kind of haphazard scenes when they're like drinking a lot and they start dancing and then doing all these things. The rest of the time we see one by themselves and the other one dancing
0: sort of like in the lighthouse thing. And so we don't see them develop
1: any more than that. Yeah.
0: The the thing about the witch that I love so much was that, and I rewatched it again after the lighthouse and I loved it still. Well, again, 7 out of 10. I don't think it's an like an, I thought it was amazing. An uh, amazing movie, but you know, 7 out of 10 that's that's a pretty high rating. But then me. again,
1: I love horror movies you don't as much, right? right. So that's yeah.
0: And the thing about the witch is that the whole movie until some, you know, until they start levitating at the end, you could argue could have actually happened that a uh kid could come down with some fever and and say a lot of weird things. That a baby could be taken dragged by a wolf, taken by a wolf. Yeah. Um, maybe the older sister was a little bit more distracted than what she remembered being.
1: Or could literally be crazy in some way.
0: Right. Yeah. Could be hallucinating. Yeah. could could have some mild halluc- Some you know, yeah. whatever. The younger kids could be obstinate. And there's, you know, there were mass delusions back then yeah. where young people and women in particular would uh, you know, acquire certain cultural markers of ha- being witches and being possessed by demons. These are all things that could happen. Now, when they start levitating, obviously, then we're like, oh, we're in a supernatural space. But you could say, well—
1: They feel like
0: they're levitating. They feel like—she yeah. you know, it's, it's, it, the, she goes into the woods, and she's finally free. Yeah. She takes off her clothes— and she joins a bunch of women who have also been rejected by a rigid uh, sexist society that doesn't value women. Right. And she's free, and she's dancing around the fire, and she can do whatever she wants. And, and yeah, she feels like she's lifting up. In The Lighthouse, these are just straight-up hallucinations. They, there's no possible way. There's an actual mermaid. Or there could be. Or, that <laughs> or there ra- could be. Or the random dude that shows up who is presumably the real winslow that died or you know the guy with the lighter yeah, hair that's maybe the, the lumber guy right right and and there's so many things that are happening in, that i'm just like well obviously that's not really happening whereas in the witch i was like this is just a shade away from from reality and a lot of the witch could have actually
2: happened do you agree with that colin I agree to an extent. I think that everything that happens that doesn't seem realistic in the lighthouse does have a place of origin. Um, there are so many scenes of Willem Dafoe kind of filling Robert Pattinson's head with all these, you know, images of, you know, creatures of the deep, uh, what to do. There's all that stuff about, you know, all oh, right, you don't kill a sea bear, or it's really bad luck, you know, I mean, all <laughs> these things. Um, and so I felt like even if, like you said, they are all hallucinations, they also don't tell you that they are. So I was actually pretty shocked to hear that you felt like they absolutely couldn't be. But if they were, it's not unfounded because, you know, they really establish the elements in the lighthouse. I think that's another thing that um, makes me in, or, or made me think that the film is effective. Like, I'll, I'll do a quick caveat here. I think it's a 10 because I feel like it did everything that it wanted to do. Is it my favorite film of the year? No. Did I like it more than Joker? Excuse me, Joker? No. But at the end of the day, um, the, the absolute feel of, you know, his vision, I felt like came across and what, and let me just explain what I mean by, um, you know, depicting the elements. So, this director really understands how to use sound. Yeah. I noticed
0: that right away. I was like, yeah. this is one of the most unique sound designs I've ever heard.
2: Yeah. Very much so. He creates this symphony of diegetic and non-diegetic that, you know, takes you what to this other place. So so sound that, like, characters can hear. So it would be like um What's like the Robert word Pattinson. you used? Diegetic diegetic what does that mean yeah. so that means that a character can hear it oh, and then okay. non-diegetic is like you know in call me by your name where it's beautiful music by sir john stevens oh yeah so and if i reverse that then i apologize one is one and the other is the other um but uh but basically i think that this this director got both of them so right in this film because you're hearing all of uh. the you know, the sounds of the waves and the Mm -hmm. wind and just, it almost made me feel cold. And so it doesn't, so when you connect the two, I guess, which is what I'm leading to, this utter isolation and bitter just departure from everything that he knew from society, um, plus all of the fear mongering that Willem Dafoe's character is doing, not even counting the abuse, I can see how you'd start to lose your grip a little bit.
0: So let's talk about some of the psychology in this movie, since we're a psychology podcast. The first psychological theme I'll pose to you two fellas is the theme of masculinity. Might we say toxic masculinity? Mm -hmm. To be tough, to work hard, don't ask for help, don't give in get drunk to cope and then allow yourself to become affectionate for the first time in your life. <laughs> uh, farting masturbation. What do you say, Colin?
2: I think you're absolutely right.
0: Uh, and it's a uh, it's stark contrast because it's late 1800s right. uh, or Eggers version of late teen, late 1800s uh, masculinity, but it's not that far from today's masculinity, and the whole time I'm just like, guys, just talk about your feelings. For, <laughs> I mean, you're destroying yourself here. You know, you're you're the younger sailor guy, lighthouse guy. Right. Just say, dude, like I wanna I wanna work hard. And he kind of does this a little bit, but of course, it would be a very bad movie if if he had a healthy way of communicating his emotions, but. That is a theme of that I'm wondering, I'm guessing that Eggers uh, wanted to put our face in, which is masculinity doesn't always do good things for our mental health.
2: Well, and yep. I love, the. I think that in this movie and also in The Witch, um, he did a great job setting it where he did. He uses time periods so well, as opposed to just having it be set dressing so we can see the way fashion looked or the way that people drove around. Um, it's it's literally a depiction of, like you said, like where our consciousness was and what would somebody feel like they could do, could say, could protect themselves from. And I think that was a part of the tension that I felt. Um, I don't know if it's specifically because I'm a gay man, but I, I felt like, oh God, like these these people are so disassociated, disassociated from, you know, what they, you know, what they want to do to connect and whether or not that's like specifically because of homosexuality, I think that it's, it's more generally that Robert Pattinson's character. And then also of course, Willem Dafoe's character to a different degree is like very sexually repressed in general. And they, they see things, they feel things that they want to explore, but there are boundaries you know, you can do a movie like that now, for sure. There are certainly, like, lots of cultures of repressed people and, like, you've talked about it on the podcast and, you know, things not even related to movies. We have a long way to go. But, um, but it's, it's, like, that ever-present danger and I, I felt like that was just a part of not only The Witch but The Lighthouse as well.
0: Do you think that either character was gay or bisexual?
2: I think that Robert Pattinson's character was quite possibly pansexual. I felt like there was Well, i guess um, including
0: mermaids in there then you got then you yeah. got pan in there yeah
2: right yeah he I felt like there was um there was just a a need for him to break from convention, and I don't know if that's why um there were so many clues for that hinted at the fetishistic aspects of things that he might be interested in. Um, for example, like when he puts uh, Willem Defoe's character on the ground, like a dog and like carries him around. Um, there's like some, I think there's some wet fetish as well where um, he likes, you know, where water is on clothes. That's a big thing for certain people. Um, and then of course, you know um, you know, I don't know what kind of philia it would be called or even we don't even have to label it that, but I mean, fucking mermaids for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I think that he just, uh, and then if you think about where he comes from, you know, new England at that time, no one would listen to him. And if he mentioned any of those things, then people would say you're a crazy person and get back to work.
0: Yeah. As with the witch, he, Robert Eggers, as, as you say, doesn't just have the, time period as set dressing the the witch and the lighthouse both incorporate folk tales that people actually propagated and believed were true during the witch times in the 1600s in early colonies uh, english colonies united states there were beliefs that there were witches and that the woods had spirits and that women in the woods had special powers and they could cast spells and that a black goat could, uh, you know, channel the devil. And you were in this constant battle between demons and and angels. And they portrayed that, you know, it's hard to know if it's accurate, but it certainly is uh, trying to be more accurate than, say, a movie with Mel Gibson from the 1600s, you know. Um, And with the lighthouse, the same thing. There were uh, there's a long tradition that I think we forget about, really, of people that work on on boats and near the ocean that involved a lot of mythology, mermaids, other kinds of things, and that it wasn't just a, a slight belief system. Like it was a strong understanding of how the world operated and could absolutely alter your perception of reality. Uh, You didn't, you know, just kind of see something that looked like a mermaid. You had sex with a mermaid. Uh, You didn't kind of uh, feel like a soul was inside of a a seagull that, that seagull is trying to get you because of something (laughs) you did earlier. Right. Um, When you look into the light at the lighthouse, it's not just a trippy experience. You're, you're seeing some Greek God in there. There's something's happening with that. And it was, it was a very real experience. And so Robert does this really great job of transporting us into that world in a way that we can feel it and not just watch it from the outside. Like he really kind of puts us into that. And, and I think that's, a brilliant thing that he does in both movies really is is just making these, you know, Aronofsky does this as well, making these mythologies f- updated, but also uh, probably echoing the past. Yeah.
1: You know, the on the sexuality part, uh, part of me didn't read too much into it, whether it was intended or not, because, I mean, you know, these guys f- literally were, it, they weren't repressed because like, Society didn't want him to have, it. like, they literally had no women around. And, uh, you know, sailors, this was a notorious problem for them, right? Like, they would go to sea and months on end not have a woman. Um, and so, like, Robert Pattinson's porn stash was that little figurine, and it looked like a woman. And, and honestly, like, I, I've been full of hormones. I know that anything that looks shapely like that can can be a trigger for some Some level of of human. (laughs) And so for him it is. And I don't know that that means too much more than just, man, that's a guy who hasn't probably seen an actual woman, let alone been with one, for a while. And he's very horny, clearly. And he doesn't really have any way to express it, talk to anyone about it, deal with it in any sort of way. And he's stuck with another dude. And sure, there is that sort of awkwardness of like, is he masturbating? What the hell? I'm masturbating, like all that kind of stuff. Um, But I don't know that I I read too much into beyond that, like, oh, maybe he's pansexual or maybe he's this, that. It it just felt very normal to me, that part.
2: Well, I think that there's there not just in his experience um, that we see, you know, as he plays out his scenes in character, but also certain figures that form around him in, or, and also in the witch, you know, there's that scene in the witch where, uh, the witch appears to the little boy as this beautiful woman. And then she kisses him. And then for the rest of the movie, he's fucked up until he dies. Uh, and then in the lighthouse, Robert Pattinson sees a very beautiful mermaid. He, you know, walks into the water up to his eyeballs. And, you know, from then on, he's more and more fucked up. So there is this idea of like either like the succubus or even if it's not directly a succubus, but like the carnivorous woman as Mm. representative of sexual desire. And -hmm. I think we also see that in the fear that, the dad in the witch feels about his daughter and also the jealousy in the mom it's like these um you know as she's developing and becoming less childlike more womanly uh she becomes more of a threat and that's part of what perpetuates um the issues in the family is the fact that the mom in the witch is very jealous and thinks that the dad is looking at her and has seen the little boy, which of course we know is true, uh, looking at her. And, um, and then in, in the witch, um, there, there's no safety in sex. And I think that, you know, Eggers is trying to say something in that and he's, and that's further emphasized, I think, like we talked about by the time period that it's set in and it's got, you know, because in some ways maybe he's trying to say that like these puritanical ideas, uh, that we're confining ourselves to are, you know, making us create demons. You know, in some degree in both films, the demons, the threats, the monsters are conjured by the people in the movie and their lack of ability to live in truth. Well, but
1: to challenge that a little bit, because I don't disagree with all the references in in both movies to uh to understandings or misunderstandings or difficulties with sexuality, blaming women, all those things. Absolutely. But but one Slight different perspective could be that uh, when he's, you know, when I mean, imagine that he is pansexual, right? Like, let's just say that that's a thing. Like, he actually is turned on by fish and and rocks or other things. Um, but you know, like he that that wasn't the central conflict from my perspective because that's not like the thing he was already masturbating right like it wasn't like and and no one was actually in that island in that deserted island actually passing judgment other than himself uh but like the central conflict seemed to be uh he, him not being able to tell what was real anymore and then then what took over was were some sort of primal instincts and the primal instincts and maybe this is to your point seem to be a lot more about control and power not necessarily like sex but 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 then again you could be right because the end scene seems very you know one could argue sexual in nature although it could just be a religious experience you know so i don't well, know. In some, I, I guess i see well, your points some, people, in some way. well for
2: control is sexual though i think that that's like not for everybody but like you know in certain communities like in the bdsm community for sure like control and the amount of control that you either feel or relinquish is a part of your you know what you get out of the experience i don't know i'm not i'm not just you know disputing what you just said i just i think that that's maybe maybe again like you said because this film is so open-ended like i i'm probably making a choice like i think that i think that with the script that isn't so focused on a structured narrative, because I don't think it has a very well-structured narrative. Um, I don't think it's necessarily concerned with that. But when that's the drawback, right, is when when that's the bones of your film, then you can interpret it however you want. And so maybe that – I think that's why I'm getting there, and you're like, not really. (laughs) Well, I I think that along
0: those lines, now that I think about it, I wonder if he – the, so after leaving the movie, I was just like, "Boy, that guy really uh, must have his head full of himself after the last movie he made." <laughs> I mean, you, you've got to be a little arrogant to make a movie so his first initial movie, The Witch, so out there. Like sure. you've got to believe in yourself. And then he got so much praise for that movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, boy, like he really stuck his head up his ass in, in, with this one. And then I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> people what? like this better than the witch. So right. – so, so, but my impression was that he focused on things in the witch that I think he shouldn't have focused on. Like to me with the witch, like he focused on the witches levitating in the, in the woods – rather than on the interaction between the dad and the daughter, or the dad and the mom, or the mom and the daughter. And I wish there was more of that. Now, obviously, I'm in the minority because everyone loves this movie, but a way that The Lighthouse could have been great for me, and Colin, tell me if this would have made the movie worse for you, is get rid of all of the—get rid of the mermaid, get rid of the hallucination of the other guy— Make it ninety minutes, get rid of <laughs> Willem Dafoe with his tentacles, um, but keep a lot of the other elements. Like he kills the he kills the seagull. Uh there is the conflict about trying to get up to the lighthouse. When he gets up there, maybe just end the movie. Like he 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 enters, he looks into the light, and it's just credits, like you don't know what happened or uh or something along those lines. Um Maybe he does kill the older guy. Uh, Maybe you don't know if he killed him. Like maybe he pushed him out of a window and then he kind of thinks he sees like a tentacle, but maybe he didn't. Like make it more subtle. Like to me, the end, it was just like, oh, we've completely gone off the rails into metaphor hallucination land. And I I wasn't with them to begin with, really. But I think if they would have kept it more down to earth, I would have liked it more. Colin, would you have hated the movie then?
2: Well, it's, no, absolutely not. Um, I think that, I, I mean, I'd love to see that movie. And I think that you can definitely edit. Like you said, it's really long. You could edit it into that movie. And if we want to make a psychology in Seattle cut, um, <laughs> let's call Eggers and see if he'll loan us the footage. Um, no, but it's funny. It, that's what's so interesting about, um, con- you know, I wouldn't, controversial isn't the word. Um, evocative movies like his um, is that, you can have interpretations that are so close yet so far. So for example, what you just said about the witch, I absolutely 100% echo. And I felt a little bit like I was in the minority when that movie came out, because to me, the ending is a little bit of a letdown. All the supernatural stuff that confirms, like you said, by the way, there is a witch. it, It distracted me from what I was focusing on, which was exactly what you said. Like, oh, damn these people in this family have some problems and they don't have the tools to deal with them. So it's going to end badly. With The Lighthouse, to me, it was just such a different mood. I, I, it's it's hard to put a finger on anything in this film. So sometimes when I, I have talked to my friends about it, I feel like I'm rambling and not really landing anywhere, you know, not on like solid ground, which no pun intended. Um, but I... I think it's kind of a haunted house. That, that's, that's, the, that's the reason I think these, you know, manifestations, um, as we may call them, sort of work. Because it's like a nautical haunted house. So instead of ghosts and goblins, you get mermaids and krakens. And they were blended in such a way that it didn't distract me in the, in the way that it did you. And, and I, I don't know exactly why. It, get, it could have been the, the m- mindset that I was in when I was watching it, but I wasn't in the way that you were distracted by how obviously hallucinatory they were. I was like, okay, well, they're hallucinations. I'm, I'm on board with seeing the descent of this character. And, and so I guess where you see it as a detriment, I saw it as something that was a key ingredient. Now I'll compare it to The Shining real quick in that The Shining has both. It's a better film because it has these very bizarre images like when the the guy in the furry suit is going down on the businessman. You know, it has these things that seem to come from nowhere and I'm I'm rereading the book. Uh it, it, there's less of it in the book, but but it also has a very well-structured narrative and a very clear arc for Jack and Danny and Wendy. I don't know that there are clear arcs for Robert Pattinson or Willem Dafoe in this movie. They right. do like you said, go off the rails. But I instead of putting that as like a detriment, I keep using that word, um, I sort of felt like that was the point. So yeah. in some ways, like when, Umberto you brought up earlier Jaws, there are things that seem to be key to make a movie work, like in Jaws, where you have the scenes of them connecting in addition to the scenes where they're getting drunk and eventually fighting on the boat. Well, Jaws is like... There's a trajectory there, like there's a there's a very clear plot to Jaws, and nothing is left up to the interpretation, and like and it's like a perfectly oiled machine. And I think that he never wanted it to be perfectly oiled. Rob uh, Eggers for the Lighthouse.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I, I have no doubt that he was trying to avoid any trappings of the Jaws completely. So, just getting to some other psychological themes. Another one is isolation. Like for prisoners who are in the hole, you know, they're isolated from other human beings. They can't interact with other people. These two, for a majority of the time while they're working, they don't, they they sleep at different schedules, right? Mm -hmm. They they don't see each other very much. Um, It's not good for the mind. And it's not something that we even recognize today. You can, uh, research shows that in situations like this, you could become depressed and very real mm-hmm. ways, you can have emotional difficulties. There's memory problems, like uh, like remembering dates. Like for the younger, how
1: many weeks have we been here? Right,
0: uh, decision making <laughs> problems. Uh, you know, uh, limbic system problems, executive system problems, hallucinations. People will actually hallucinate. Particularly, they'll hallucinate other people. So in prison, sometimes they'll punish a guy by putting him in an isolation room for mm-hmm. a month. And during that time, and especially if it's dark and there's not right. a lot of visual stimulation, people will actually hallucinate other people and have conversations or right. things like that. And it's, it's not just it, like daydreaming, it's right. actually seeing because we are social creatures. We need to interact. You know, Castaway, Tom Hanks with Wilson, uh, that's a very real thing. It's not just a stuffed animal. It's like a real, you know, creature. And so this movie, I think depicted that pretty well. But if you're getting super drunk, it helps, right? Right.
2: (laughs) I would love in a, like a cut in this movie for, they're just like the Easter eggs of Wilson, like on the shore, (laughs) just like in the distance. (laughs) (laughs) The other, uh, theme is mythology.
0: And it's something that we don't usually talk about in psychology, but it's definitely, Uh, Something to to talk about, because for the vast majority of the human race and even now, there has been mythology around different gods or creatures or spirits or uh, angels, demons. They're all around us. There's a supernatural layer on reality that, uh, you know, like the fact that we call hard alcohol spirits because they thought when you drank it, it you got possessed by spirits or you entered the spirit world or something because mm-hmm. it was this altered frame of mind obviously all the hallucinogens that people would take peyote marijuana was always associated with like the other realm where right. where everyone else lives and it's an important part of the human mind that when we are left to our own devices we develop belief systems of the supernatural and this movie, uh, The Lighthouse, uh, depicts that in the, the sailor sense. But there's a lot of Greek stuff in here, too. You got uh, Proteus and Prometheus. Prote- Which is the original sailor stories. Right. <laughs> uh, from the Greeks who yeah. often lived by the sea. Yeah. You have the old man at the sea, the, the friend of the sea beasts, yeah. uh, the, the knower of everything. And then you have Prometheus, the younger, the trickster, who stole fire from the gods, who had the hubris to enter the lighthouse, and but was, uh, you know, harmed by by the knowledge. Zeus ordered Prometheus chained to a rock where an eagle picked out his organs, right. just like the ending of the lighthouse. Uh, you know, the young guy Prometheus in the lighthouse defies Proteus. He climbs Mount Olympus, sees the verbin light. The knowledge overwhelms him, and for his crimes, a bird eats out eats him slowly. Right. So I dig that. I didn't see it at the moment because I wasn't as familiar with this, the full story of Proteus and Zeus and Prometheus. Um, I was much—watching the witch, I was much more familiar with the folk sure. tales that they were uh, echoing. Um, and, I mean, I definitely caught— you know, whiffs of it or of like sailor, obviously the mermaid and then the lighthouse and tentacles and the kraken and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know. I kind of wish that I went into the movie knowing more about the Greek mythology involved. Colin, did you recognize the Greek mythology involved?
2: I did. Um, but not in a very scholarly way, just, um, as I've consumed media over the years and through a few stories that I read in college. But, um, I, I don't, necessarily think you have to know because um and and maybe you could say this about mother too we mentioned that movie earlier um your you don't your knowledge of what is being referenced is a little bit circumstantial because ultimately these cerebral movies i feel like are supposed to take us to an emotional place and whether that's connected to like a reference that you understand or not, I I don't know how important it is. I, I don't I don't I don't think so.
0: Like when I yeah. saw Noah by Aronofsky, mm-hmm. I am you know pretty familiar with the story of Noah, and yeah. the the riffing on the story was half the enjoyment to me. If I just watched Noah having no knowledge of the story of Noah, I would have been like this is a stupid movie. <laughs> like It sure. doesn't make any sense. Why would you
1: put all these animals in a wooden boat?
0: Yeah, and I, I think that, like with The Witch, for example, if I didn't have any knowledge of early you know, colonial American folklore about witches and the woods and all those kinds of things, it wouldn't have resonated with me. And I, th- Which, but, I, I think but, that's the thing. It's like there are certain um, uh, archetypes that we have but are – Uh, superimposed on mythology and folktale, that when we see them in art, it touches us in a a deeper way.
1: Yeah, I'd say that in the case of The Witch, and I think you're not disagreeing with this, uh, you don't have to read anything from that period to have that cultural awareness, because it's so kind of pervasive in our in our right. Western culture. We've, we've all read about the Salem witch trials yeah. when we were in high school. And we've been seeing things about witches all our lives uh, in cartoony ways, and serious ways, all these things.
2: Um, well, exactly. But that's what, what it, I'm saying is that in some ways it's a little more derivative, right? Because this stuff with the lighthouse is a little more out of left field. Right. Well, or do you but, not agree? No,
1: no, I don't disagree with... I guess what I'm trying to say is to me the big difference between something like Mother and something like Lighthouse uh, mm-hmm. is, in, well, in this regard, is uh, and then this is maybe where I disagree with a lot of people that saw it. Mother for me was you You better know what the heck we're talking about because it's like this, this um, sort of it's a metaphor about that same exact story and it's like imagine, because we don't know what reality is, but if you were to take that version of reality seriously and you imagined that in some cosmic metaphoric sense there is this house and there is this woman which is not a human for real but it's some sort like if you took all that what an interesting exploration
0: but this and to interject you have to be aware of the bible and right. jesus right. and right. this origin story right. of genesis and, and...
1: and i guess in in against it one could argue that i suppose if you weren't aware with all that and you watch mother you would re- legitimately be like what right like, right? nothing okay. would make sense, right? This one, I think, is the worst of both worlds. And this is where you're oh, not you gonna think? like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, number one, <laughs> if you watch it without any of the, the, the knowledge of, of mythology, you'd go, what? Except, apparently, critics don't. And, 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 that's fine. And two, if you watch it with that knowledge, like, I have enough knowledge of Greek mythology and stuff. I certainly didn't catch all the connections. But even now that we're explaining the connections... It's not a through line. This is not the story of Prometheus retold. This is a, a sm- this is why I was using the shake analogy. This is like, well, you know, remember like a little bit of Odysseus and there's like the legends of the sirens tricking the sailors and there's the, oh and remember Prometheus, it's like, sure, And so like the last scene, don't you get it? It's like, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the through line in the story. You're throwing that in. It's almost like a painting. Like I'm going to a gallery and each painting is a theme from mythology. So the overall gallery has a theme and I like it. But when I'm watching the movie, I wanted more. So
2: you're saying it's painting. Listen, but that, but that's what I think. I, I also equated it to a painting. So I don't know Mm -hmm. how like interested in different types of art you are, but like, so I kind of felt like the lighthouse was abstract expressionism. You know, where you're you're putting shapes that on their own don't necessarily integrate, um, but you're you're nevertheless are putting them on the same canvas and together they make something new and fresh and vibrant. And and when I'm
0: at an art gallery and I look at a painting for like four and a half minutes, I'm thoroughly (laughs) entertained by that two plus hours of that oh, come on well
2: i'm gonna
1: man you're gonna hate me colin like so when you literally put the body of your prometheus figure on a rock with birds eating his insides i can't call that abstract i have gotta call it a direct art like and by the way there is nothing wrong look i i actually thought the movie was visually very interesting I thought, mm-hmm. to your point, the audio was amazing, and I thought the performances were unbelievable. I yeah. also, uh, departing a bit from Kirk, first of all, I have zero problem with the with the uh, visions, the hallucinations, the octopus, all this stuff in the witch. I loved the ending. I loved it. I want more flying, more flying. Uh, but that's me. <laughs> that's me. So my main issue with it, and I think why I got bored, is actually that what here's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see that the characters actually start connecting for real because like the story that he tells and then and then the the guy starts softening up and and then and then you think this is actually maybe going to work out but then this insidious thing keeps gnawing at him and he keeps obsessing about this one thing and then sadly tragically it still undoes him now i'm describing what you watched on the screen but the difference right. is that the narrative style that he used was to your point impressionistic like check out this painting check out this painting check out this
0: painting and I actually wanted a movie yeah so I'm gonna read positive reviews and negative reviews just to illuminate what other people are saying okay Uh, these are uh, you know top reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes actual you know movie critics The visceral, disgusting, and irrefutably maddening theatrics of The Lighthouse are entrancing enough to have viewers happily giving themselves over to a beckoning siren by the film's end. So this is the other thing that drives me mad. I've heard this because I watched a ton of
1: YouTube reviews after this, uh, after we watched it. And the language the 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 language is so over the top. Like I've never been more confused and a descent into madness. And I'm like,
0: what movie did you watch? Yeah. Another one. It's rough going, but it's beautifully filmed and framed in black and Fine. white. And Defoe is wild and Great. wildly entertaining in a role that feels written to matches every aspect. Love that review. An audience review. Uh someone, a regular person says. This movie was a wild masterpiece. Not for everyone, but if you appreciate no. challenge, but if you appreciate challenging, art, artful films that make you think long after leaving the theater, then this is for you.
1: Good, I, I like that review as well.
0: Yeah, I did too. Uh, some negative ones. Uh, this is an, a critic. The Lighthouse is weird, complex, testing, <laughs> testing, and soulless. <laughs> uh, Soulless is kind of a weird word, but I, I think I know what they're getting at, which is just like it just doesn't it, it didn't grab me. You know, yeah. audience reviews, I thought, were because it was hard to find negative critic reviews. So here's, yeah. here's some audience reviews. Don't listen to the glorious movie critics reviews. The Lighthouse. <laughs> the Lighthouse isn't horror. Yes. It isn't a thriller. Yes. And it's well, and it certainly isn't a good film. Okay. In fact, it's about as horrifyingly it's about as horrifying as a square dance <laughs> and about as thrilling as a station wagon with four <laughs> flat tires. Okay, I almost like this review. <laughs> if deciphering boring artsy bewildering stories like the white House, like the lighthouse <laughs> gains you a triumphant miniature psychological victory, then this will be an excellent investment of your time and money.
2: I just love that. I love this. Video. If
0: deciphering boring, artsy, <laughs> bewildering stories like *The Lighthouse* gains you a triumphant miniature psychological victory, then this is an excellent <laughs> what investment a of your time. I love it. I love it. It's uh, about as horrifying as a square dance and about as thrilling as a station wagon with four flat tires. Okay. But
2: I don't think it was okay. Like, it's I not just, trying to be horrifying or or thrilling. I know. I know. Then like, it what should, is it at, least to be? it should at least have been thrilling.
0: It should at least have been thrilling in my in my. Estimation. Okay. Let's can. We because like, like, Mulholland and Drive thrilling, thrilling. The yeah. White yeah. House, no, the, but people witch, feel it was thrilling. The The Witch thrilling.
1: Critics feel it was mm-hmm. thrilling. Okay. Now let me ask a question. As a parenthesis, why are
2: people saying horror? Because of visuals. That literally, I think that's the that's the go to when you don't know how to define something. Is like, what do I visually see? Oh, a monster. Oh, something like supernatural horror. It's in right. black and white horror. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. Another review. I guess I'm not very sophisticated. I didn't get it and I was bored. I can appreciate the beautiful cinematography though. Another person. Didn't make sense. Hard to follow. Hated the characters. Could not have liked it less. Wish I could get a refund. Waste of a babysitter and a night out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad for them. I mean, to like, yeah. cause, you know, you could
2: probably get a babysitter and a night out like once a yeah, month. Yeah. yeah. And I would love to you... ask them what they mean by hate the characters, because I often find myself talking about this because neither of them are likable. But I don't necessarily. And we kind of talked about this when we reviewed Joker. But yeah, I maybe. don't know that likability was necessarily a oh, point oh. in no. these I'm characters. With you, but but like the
0: witch, the mother was not likable. No, but, but I liked watching her on the screen. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm with you guys a billion percent on this. I've had very
1: nasty, drag-out arguments with people who told, for example, I hate The Graduate. Why? Oh, they're just such horrible people. I, I, it, it, you know, like, yeah. I, I, I totally yeah.
0: have no sympathy for that argument. Like Rushmore. No one right, in that movie right, right, is ridiculous. Right. So I wanted to, again, just get my cred out here in terms of the movies that I've liked and disliked that were confusing. And if you can think of other movies, let me know. Sure. So I'm going to start with the movies I didn't like that I think crossed the line into confusing. Oh, interesting. Jail. Okay, and then I'll go. This in, will be interesting. It's, it's fewer movies that I didn't like, okay. and actually, some of them you love. For example, Primer. I love Primer. I know. Colin, I did like you like it too? It? Oh God, I One do. Of my favorite movies of all time. So it's I like. Great. The first, the first hour was really interesting. Totally yeah. brand new. Yeah. I was like, okay, if some garage. People made a you know time yeah. machine then i guess this is this might be kind of what it looks like and then it just quickly went into this zone where i was just like god like was, when is this going to end you know <laughs> oh. it just seemed like a series of scenes where it was like isn't this interesting and i was like oh. um, a <laughs> Eraserhead head by david lynch for example now that's that's a time in a place when lynch was definitely not trying to be entertaining sure but uh I watched that movie at a time when I loved everything David Lynch. And I went back and watched – this is early 90s. Yeah. watch Eraserhead, and I was just kind of like, huh? I'm on the fence on that one. I, I I'm. It's I was, not my favorite
2: either. Yeah. I,
0: I love so many other Lynch movies. I mean I even love his Dune uh, rendition. The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. Did you just say you even love his Dune rendition? Some people I know.
2: It. I'm like, wait. I, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> okay. I know. It's great. Uh, uh, the Tree of Life, Terrence Malick. I hated that movie. Have you seen it? I also I did. So. Did you like it, Colin?
2: No, no. Yeah, I don't think I it's very. I don't think that film. it wasn't trying to have a clear plot, but it it didn't have a clear vision. That was what muddled it for me. Uh, it was.
0: It was so boring. Mm. It was yeah, very I mean, boring. Th- if they just kept the Brad Pitt scenes in there with the kids. It would have been mildly interesting, but I even see. that was interesting. Uh, Synecdoche, New York by Charlie Kaufman. Sure, sure. Berto, you like that movie. I did like it, yes. Did, but I
1: can understand. I wouldn't ever, ever, ever try to
2: argue with someone that didn't like it. Did you like that, Colin? I did, but I wouldn't know who to recommend it to. Like okay. I, I mean, I'm to sitting me. there You're like, like I think me. this is for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Inherent Vice, PTA. Uh, I've never seen that. I did not get that. it. Oh, it was. It's one of his more recent movies, you know. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Joker in it. Uh, Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sad I didn't see that. Uh, David Lynch, Inland Empire. Didn't see that. Oh God. Me neither. <laughs> it's it is not good. Not good. Uh, but I liked Pie by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, Pie's great. This movie, The Lighthouse, reminded. If there's any movie that I would say is close to it, it's actually Pie. Hmm, interesting. Black and oh. white a descendant it sure. to into madness sure. confusing
1: but that uh, one has more of a well for me a through a through line right yeah
0: cloud atlas i like the Wachowskis. book i cloud a-
2: love cloud atlas yeah
0: okay. not i've very, never seen it but it's confusing okay. you don't really Isn't know is it like if, 4 hours long or something it's pretty long <laughs> but and like the book it spans several different okay. uh, eras essentially All right. Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Shutter,
2: Shutter Island.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: Scorsese. yeah.
1: J- Shutter Island is pretty straightforward.
0: Right. right? It's
2: yeah. great. I mean, in some ways, it's such a clean twist that it kind of, like, I don't know if I classify that as, like, a hard to wrap yeah. it. Yeah. You know?
0: like Yeah, that that's definitely a, uh,
2: but people think of that movie as, sure. like, a confusing-ish right.
0: right. movie. Sure. Jacob's Ladder with Tim Robbins. Yes.
2: Yeah. That was one I was going to bring up. That's about my favorite of these, yeah. like, weird cerebral. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Naked Lunch, David Cronenberg. Oh yeah, uh, which seen. is pretty weird.
1: That's very weird
0: and ridiculous at certain points. Yeah. Have, but I remember liking it yeah. when I saw it when I was twenty two. Did you read the book? That or? was another thing. No, but that was because yeah. I don't read books. But <laughs> that was another thing that I thought that if I was twenty two and I saw the lighthouse, I bet you I would have loved it. Really? Because there was a time in my life when I was so tired of mainstream (laughs) movies that anything that had something different about it i see it was like punk rock you know Uh it was like because punk rock is not listenable like real you know hardcore punk rock it's not listenable on purpose and but it's so pleasing to hear during (laughs) 1981 when you all you've been hearing so far is fleetwood fucking mac which Uh, i love uh which i also yeah barton fink coen brothers
1: Right.
0: Uh, The Machinist. Uh, Oh, yes, Machinist. Yes, love it. Christian Bale. uh, Of course. Weird movie, but uh, love it. Brazil, Terry Gilliam. Right. Great. Uh, Classic. Yeah, possibly my second or third favorite movie of all time. The Fountain, Darren Aronofsky, is very confusing at times i mean there's a guy in a stop to see it don't know spoilers <laughs> in a bubble with a tree okay <laughs> uh, it's just like what's traveling through I think space That
2: movie is best dissected in percentages but that doesn't make a complete movie like what i mean by that is i think there is probably like a 65 percent of that movie that's really artistic and then the other stuff just does not work
0: i love the fountain i yeah. have to see it so i oh I you did oh, oh i haven't seen it yeah uh enemy denny Villeneuve. which one Enemy. love it uh, you you probably haven't seen it, bro. It's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. No, no. Is
1: that the one where there was a? He's there's like a
0: doppelganger and like uh, a, no, an no, no. alien in the in train, the sky. right? Like
2: a trainer? No, there's no. no train. He's just that uh, everything Villeneuve uh, touches is perfect. Like right, so yeah. far, at least.
0: Uh, Existence, another Cronenberg. Yeah. Uh, and 2001, Stanley Kubrick. All so all those movies yeah. are in my top, you know, top list. Well, and The, the Shining. Yeah, sure. The Shining. Yeah. I'll add that. Any other movies, Colin? You can think of that are confusing and good or bad.
2: Uh, I think you covered mine.
0: Okay. I would add Lost Highway. Uh, right. It's one of my
1: favorite. I actually like Lost Highway even better than Mulholland, which I I understand is whatever, but I, I do like that one. Um, I would also add, in a weird way, American Psycho. It doesn't have yeah. any supernatural stuff. But it's, but it's not a
0: traditional narrative.
1: No, and normies that saw that movie walked out going like, what the fuck? Right. Is any of this
0: real? I don't even understand. <laughs> normies. Yeah. In Colin's word, we're normies, by the way. Sure, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, Colin, what's the final word on the
2: lighthouse? I think it, it's interesting that um, Umberto brought up uh, an absurdist play because um, there is one that I quite love called The Zoo Story by Edward Albee. And there's these meandering conversations. It's just two guys on a, either a park bench or a bench somewhere. And you just find yourself... Transported to, and I guess this is, I feel like I'm saying the same thing about, that I said about Joker is that what I love in a film is if I walk in, I sit down, and I feel a certain way, and I'm changed by the end of my experience. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I watched this amazingly funny thing that made me smile and I'm laughing, or I saw this action thriller that made me, you know, grip my seats. And, or seat. I know mean, why, why do I have multiple seats in this hypothetical scenario? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, and so, but that change means that the filmmaker did something right for me. And I, I definitely most of the stuff that you said about the lighthouse, and a lot of the stuff that I heard the critics say about it that weren't that positive. I also think are very warranted. Like, I definitely think that you could sit down and have an extremely bored experience. I think that's built into it. I think it doesn't have a very well-structured screenplay. I don't think it's necessarily that thrilling and it is mislabeled as a horror film. It's not. But for me, because there's so much to digest right now and when I, because I love horror, it's one of my favorite genres. Like we talked about before, I love a good bad ending. You know, if you're, if all your characters are dead by the end of your screenplay, like, I'm probably clapping if you did it well. <laughs> but, um, so I'm, you know, there's this trend even in movies that I like. Like It, Chapter 1 and It, Chapter 2, both films I enjoyed. But I was never at any point freaked out, disturbed, scared. There were uncomfortable scenes for sure, there were well acted scenes. There were well structured uh, plot lines. There were there was great cinematography, um, great creature effects. But I wasn't like, oh my god, like I'm a little disturbed. I'm uncomfortable. I'm shifting. I'm sweating. And I felt that way when I watched The Lighthouse. And also, at the end of the day, I also I can be won over by a set of great performances. And I would say that both of these guys did just a a terrific job um i think i would probably put my flag in the robert pattinson camp if i had to say like what an give an mvp award or whatever um just because i was so shocked because i i'd had no experience and some of the stuff with with him as like an actor outside of the first couple of twilight movies that i saw and then of course like you said cedric diggory And it was just this, like, transformative thing of, like, oh, my God, like, this guy has levels to play. But with Willem Dafoe, like, I'd seen a lot of it before, just at a different level with a different accent. Um, But, yeah, I thought it was, like, very beautiful. I don't necessarily think that, you know, just because there's all these cinematic references to, like, Ingmar Bergman and, like, all these, like, different filmmakers from the past and the glory days of black and white cinema as Eggers probably... Interprets it as like the best time in cinema. Um, I don't necessarily think all those homages make the film good, um, but it, I, I do think that he achieved what he wanted to achieve. Yeah, well said.
0: Uh, the I just had got to sneak in this last dig. The <laughs> you mentioned the accents. The accents were very distracting to me. One they were hard to understand at times, especially Willem Dafoe. Like, I want a transcript of when he was being buried. Like, I didn't understand a single thing. Um, The other thing was their accents were inconsistent, particularly Cedric Diggory's. He started off... Wasn't
2: that character, though? Because he was taking an identity, right?
0: If that was on purpose, then I guess. But Mm -hmm. the uh, initial accent sounded British to me. And Mm. then it went into this... Very cartoonish New England accent like he sounded like he was doing a comedic impression of JFK you know
1: but Pock, I gotcha. the car. but I do wonder so we hey, are a- it could have been the 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 fact that he was trying to impersonate but I doubt it because like why would the guy know his act but but is it maybe like they consulted with people uh no of what I, it would sound like at the time and I
0: think the uh the reality was that uh, it's hard to produce an accent, right? And and he's a Brit, so he's yeah. yeah. It's just hard. And what I and uh, Willem Dafoe is trying to do, a like like a well a, like, a, like a like a Scottish immigrant yeah, or yeah, an yeah. Irish immigrant, and or a child of parents who were from Ireland or something. And what I wish they would have done is just keep the same goddamn accents. Like it wouldn't have ruined <laughs> the movie for me. Like sure. like I I I just I don't like it when. They put an extra layer of difficulty to the acting mm. and an extra layer of distraction to me when you could have just rewritten the story to include their accents. Okay, final, final word, Berto. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, the reason I gave it a five is because visually I did find
1: it very well done. I love the audio. And I I, I, sh- I wasn't distracted by the accents. I thought the acting was superb, really superb. I just actually... Uh, being someone that loves absurd and loves weird and loves stuff. uh, I wanted more connection with the characters, and I wanted a through line. I didn't get it. I'll certainly try to rewatch it at some point, maybe earlier in the day. Uh, But what I will absolutely fight tooth and nail on is the horror bit. The way this thing is being described is ridiculous. I even saw a mojo Video is like, top 10 reasons why this movie will terrify you. I watched
2: that today. Yeah. And like
1: eight (laughs) of the 10 reasons had nothing to do with terror at all. It was like, it's an original screenplay.
2: It's like
1: bullshit. And so, yeah. Was it
2: number one? Like, performances. Yeah, performances.
1: will terrify. It's like, come on, come on, come on. (laughs) So, that's the main thing that I'm so,
0: like, throwing up in my mouth a little bit about. (laughs) Well, on that note, let (laughs) us conclude. Uh, Thanks for joining us out there, everyone, and thanks for joining us, special Texas correspondent, Colin. And please take care of yourself. Colin, why should people take care of themselves?
2: Because you darn tootin' deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that accent. You better all deserve it, my mateys! Oh and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call uh, this eggers and tell him if you ever do something said in Texas you, you give me a call <laughs> <laughs>